Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Today, I'm interviewing Stephanie O'Silas, who is a speech-language pathologist in private practice in Dallas, Texas, and Stephanie talks about how she grew her private practice by noticing and seeking opportunities. Stay tuned. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high-quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. So before we begin, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Sure. My name is Stephanie O'Silas, and my practice, Champion Rehabilitation and Support Services, and we're a mighty company in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> We're a mighty company in Dallas, Texas, and we um, we serve adults and children. Um, we we have the capacity to see our clients in office as well as in their homes. Um, our our treatment specialties are dysphagia and neurocognitive rehabilitation, as well as um, pediatric and adult autism spectrum language and communication. In, um, a treatment for those populations, as well as AAC. An additional specialty that I have is more so business consulting, and that's um, also a major focus of the practice, and that's what really allows us to thrive here in Dallas. Well, you are mighty. <laughs> that's like, I do hashtag all the things. <laughs> I like that, actually. You're busy. I love it. So before we talk about where you are now, Stephanie, can you tell our listeners like what your early beginnings were like in terms sure. of, you know, I don't know about early grad, like grad school or your first um, foray into the field of speech pathology before you started private practice? Before I started private practice, I was in Boston at MGH Institute, grad student, and I share that some of my earlier jobs before I became a professional were working at Six Flags as a photographer and a salesperson. I was really good at that. And I was also a patient sitter. Mm. So, and I was doing night shift too. I, it was quite a, a difficult task at hand. <laughs> and, but a lot of those earlier experiences, I think really kind of, um, helped me develop what we call grit today for the most part and just mm -hmm. people skills, um, customer service. Um, through those jobs, I really developed an appreciation for um, doing the job correctly. Just customer service, patient satisfaction. Those are things that uh, I kind of, that I, I hold close to me. Mm -hmm. um, I was also a photographer at Sears Photo. So <laughs> there, there were quite a bit of things that were happening in my life that just kind of helped mold me and shape me. Um, prior to, prior to uh, coming to Dallas, um, I got married. And so when I moved to Dallas, I, I started at a sniff. So that was my first professional job. It did not come immediately. Um, 
I spent about four months looking for my first job. And Did you know that you wanted to work with adults or were you thinking kids yeah. or? Oh, when I left, when I left grad school, I had, I was super passionate about um, swallowing disorders and voice. Literally, I mean, I have a whole nother story. I could go left with this story, but <laughs> I literally had a whole different path for my life. I'm a super planner. So my whole life was planned out. Um, but then I feel like life happened yeah. and I came to the, to the right place, the place that was right for my story. Dallas was very right for me, <laughs> contrary to what I would have chosen for myself. Interesting. And, yes. My husband's industry is, um, in the South. Mm -hmm. And so that's what brought me down here. But I just feel like, um, when we think of our destiny, Dallas was meant for me. It was calling my name for the most part. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so you got, it sounds like you got to Dallas with like no connections. I got to Dallas with no connections. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest that I did try to forge some connections on using LinkedIn. Um, one, one way, just to provide an example, one way that I did that was I would look for, in, I would start with institutions that I was interested in. Then I would just see, pair it with um, who might have been working there already and just see, just, I mean, cold, what do you, like, just cold. Yeah, email, just like cold emailing, yeah. Just cold emailing. And, and you know, and this was all through LinkedIn. Right, I, so it's like LinkedIn Messenger, and you never know yes. if people check that or not. Right, yeah. And, well, back in the day, people used to check it more often than, <laughs> than today. I swear I'd never check mine these days. Um, but it was really helpful. At least one connection, or I, I'll say probably one or two connections was really um, useful, That the, a connection that I actually still um, have today. Oh, okay. I have today. So... Um, that was one way, one, I think one means of just no, coming here, knowing someone, coming here and just knowing a few names, knowing a few, you know, ins. But when I got here, actually, my, I think that I would say that my, my better success was through, um, I did a continuing education course, LSVT. Mm-hmm. I had no business doing it as a student. I mean, other than just the education, yeah. I wanted to do it. Obviously, my passions were in voice. Voice mattered so much to me. And so I, I, I did the LSVT training with the intention that, okay, it might come to good use one day or it might help my um, seeking, uh, my, my job hunting. Mm -hmm. But the great news is the networking that happened just at that CEU event led me to my first CF, which was amazing. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, that shows too that you're just, you're open to possibility, right? And to finding, um, whether it's networking, I guess, finding opportunity. Exactly. In anything. Exactly. And that would definitely if I had to share a word of advice to anyone coming after me, it would be the same thing would, would be just to, um, engage, engage, well, even, even the, the, that program that you think you have no, no business being a part of just engage, ask questions. Don't be, don't be shy. I love it. So you did the LSVT training. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Right. You got your certification. Yes. And As prior to my CF. <laughs> yeah. Prior to your CF. I, I did mine actually. I also started with LSVT. I still got like the grad school rate. I remember. Yes. Way 300 back in, like, bucks. It was, it was nothing. 300 bucks. Yeah. It was a deal. And mine was the training I did was actually in Manhattan in New York. And I had friends cause I, I too went to grad school in Boston. I was living in Boston and I was like, oh, I'll go do this and go stay with my friends in Manhattan for the weekend. This sounds fabulous. So I also started with LSVT. But <laughs> so, so then you, you got a job out of that and you mentioned it was at a skilled nursing facility. So, yes. so how did that go? And yeah, how'd that go? I was lucky. I was very fortunate. Even, even now I'm going to be very frank. Even though the pay was not screaming my name, I was very lucky because I, I mean, I came into a department with a lot of therapists, mm -hmm. a lot of from, 
from varying levels of experience. I had a supervisor that was on site. And um, I we I was at a yeah. I was at a CCRC, which is um, the conti- a continuum setting. Yeah. Um, and it, it's all encompassing. And I I'm talking from uh, the subacute unit, the subacute inpatient unit, all the way to outpatient. So I was very lucky. It's unusual where I not only did the nursing home part, I did the rehab part. I did the outpatient part that allowed me to actually use the LSVT. So it was really cool. You know, we, we, we saw a lot of patients with Parkinson's mm-hmm. on the outpatient side, but it was just really great because the inpatient rehab side was where I specialized with my supervisor. And that's where I became, became the most comfortable working with swallowing and neurocognitive um, communication rehab. So I I feel lucky because I had a supervisor that was not only interested in developing my own skills, but she was also interested in my thought process. Nice. Just nice. and in my planning for my career. Just um, she didn't hold back. Mm-hmm. She was from New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna leave with that because I always find New Yorkers to be hustlers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and you appreciated she, that about her. Huh? I appreciated that about her. And I was very inspired by a lot of the things she was doing outside of speech. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, she would talk about her apartment, the whatever properties that she owned. She would talk mm-hmm. about her interest in private practice that she had already incorporated a name and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, CF me, I'm just listening. I'm all ears. Yeah. And at that stage, I felt it was more appropriate to just listen. Yeah. Just listen, soak it all in. Because it's nothing that I ever envisioned for myself. I never wanted to go into business. I never, that I never would have ever thought of it for myself. My father was a business owner. My brother is a business owner. But myself... Mm-hmm. I just, that was not for me. You know, I was envisioning myself being like the voice pathologist in LA somewhere at a premier hospital. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm fine with that picture of life, but a business owner, I was to a degree afraid of, I don't mm-hmm. know where that came from. I think the legal aspect uh, scared me the most. Yeah. I never envisioned that being part of my story. Yeah. And then something happened. I mean, talking to this, this supervisor and or other yes. things. So, so what happened as you starting to get this like um, alternative vision of what life could be like, uh-huh. what happened next? Well, passive inspiration. It's just, I would, I would describe this instance as being around the, a, a good, healthy crowd of people that motivate you. Um, and she was just being around her, just um, those conversations. When I went home later on those days, I'd start doing just research here and there. I mean, my life was perfect. I wasn't taking any home, any, any work home. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> I love my job. You know, it was, my life was perfect, but just something in me um, just m- made me want to do a little bit more research. I think that the right time, the, the timing was right. I think the, the timing was right in that being part of this social media, um, just um, the this internet savvy generation, information is so immediately available. It's just right at your fingertips for the most part. And that allowed me to tap into resources like YouTube as far as how to open your own practice. I'd go to the library and I'd get like the dummies, you know, the the dummies brand, (laughs) how to to start a business, like just the dummies brand. But the good news is it's the same information is also online. So that's, that's the great news. Um, So I um I think LegalZoom really um, made a difference for just making that a very quick, one click, it's done. Yeah. You know, so it just started with a com- her just passive com- passive inspiration. I'll call it. 
It started with passive inspiration through the conversations that made me a little bit more interesting and just having something to own. Yeah. And just knowing that it was possible, it was attainable. It's not a, it's not a very hard concept. So she kind of made it a little bit more attainable, Mm -hmm. just her talking about it. And then I'm also going to credit my nature. I just have my nature specifically. I, I, if, if I could, if I could say that I had an athletic ability, it would be programming and planning Mm -hmm. and just, just event planning creating projects, brainstorming. I've always been talented um, in the area of just envisioning a program and then bringing it to complete fruition. Nice. Yeah, that's, so you're, you're a visionary and an action taker. Yes. That's yes. I would, I would describe it that way. And Jenna, this is a little side, but this is on the side, but as growing up as a kid with this kind of ability. Yeah. <laughs> I just got done watching their Umbrella Academy. So growing up with this set of powers, you know, I I actually it I, I actually felt bad because I didn't have any tangible talent, like any tangible like I couldn't play basketball or I couldn't, you know, I could sing but I couldn't sing like Beyonce or or I just couldn't do something that was tangible that was very visible other than a finished product. You know, um, but I think that is something that I was actually celebrated for, you know, in school, just being able to create products, create programs um, my, within my sorority, just the, a lot of the programming that went into a lot of the um, a lot of the events that I that that I had a part in. Um, that's always been a talent of mine. And I feel like my private practice is only evidence, more evidence of that is just my I have a nature for programming, planning, creating projects, and just brainstorming. Like literally Venn diagrams. I love Venn diagrams. I just love, you know, kind of drawing, you know, drawing and connecting the dots and just seeing, imagining possibilities. And the next thing I began doing was um, brainstorming business names. And then I had a very, a, a vision when I envisioned my name. And before you know it, I was on legal Zoom, one click, it was done. Stephanie, your company, the, the IRS, I received my EIN, it was approved. And then Jenna, when you, when you get a notice saying that you've been approved, for me, it's like, okay, well, I can't just waste my money. Yeah, of course. Well, when you've invested in something, you got to recuperate that investment. Yes. Um, and the real, I think the real work began there, but it began slowly. It it wasn't my, within my first year, it wasn't an immediate, you know, overnight success. I, you know, from the EIN, from receiving my EIN, I now started trailing what to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, next was just exploring insurances like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, because I, I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't getting calls. Those the first couple of months I was not getting calls, um, but I began to explore some of the insurance plans, credentialing. What mm-hmm. is credentialing? Mm-hmm. You know? And because I, you don't mind a project, you were yes. probably like, I can do this. It, you see, <laughs> somehow I successfully managed to make my life very complicated at every stage of the way. And when I remember, I'm going to go back. Remember I told you I had to come home and I'm, I love my life. I didn't, wasn't bringing work home, you know, to go from grad school where you're doing so much work. And then this whole split, it's like, I needed to create something for myself because I'm so used to creating something for myself. <laughs> and so sure enough, sure enough, here I am now with, um, an approved EIN, um, you know, it was a worthwhile investment through LegalZoom. If anyone, I know some folks do it on their own, but I prefer to just, mm-hmm. if I didn't do it then, it would have probably would have never happened. <laughs> and so sure enough, um, you know, one thing just kind of led to another. And it was, I, I think my conscience would not, my conscience would not allow me to n- stop because of the money that was being spent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, when one, when one success came, oh, Blue Cross has credentialed me. Great. Okay. Well, I've got to keep moving. And you, and I'm going to be very honest. 
it wasn't a straightforward process. I was going back and forth with a lot of the credentialing agents mm -hmm. trying to correct errors on my Medicare applications, on my Medicaid application. This was all just kind of winging it, you know, just like fill it out and then we'll see what happens. Three months later, I get a call saying, oh, you need to correct X, Y, and Z. But they were very good about it. They were very kind about it. And then once it was done, it was done. Oh my God. <laughs> Which is so what was the timeline? Were you, at this point, were you still also working at the SNF or had you left the SNF? Like how yeah, did I'm you still working at, at that? I was working at that SNF. Um, well, actually, once my CF was done, I transitioned to um, an LTAC, uh, long-term acute care. I love, I'm very, uh, acute care is where my heart is. That's, that's where I call home. And I transitioned to an acute care facility. Um, but the beautiful nature about that work and what we do is you can always clock in, clock out. Your patients are still there. Yeah. Some folks take three hour lunch breaks. I chose to go see whatever clients I need to see and come back if I needed to. <laughs> come back if I needed Great. to. Maybe, you know, you can always structure your <laughs> schedule. I was, I was, had the luxury of structuring my schedule, maybe to come earlier, see all my patients, all my inpatients, clock out for the day, go see and, and go work on my practice. So, um, yes, let me highlight that the scheduling arrangement in the beginning was so difficult. I mean, it was doable. I think I had a lot of energy for it at that time. Um, it worked. <laughs> it yeah. worked. But um, I, I'm not going to lie, it took a toll on my health. Mm -hmm. um, it took, and I will say, I say that because when you think about just, I guess, how will I put this? It took a toll on my health because I almost felt as though I was a daytime clinician, nighttime administrator. Mm -hmm. I was working 24 hours round the clock. I'm doing the clinical stuff during the daytime. But when I get home, I'm bringing work home. I have to do, um, I have to do billing if necessary or, or preparing invoices. And it was a lot of admin to do. I made a lot of silly mistakes and maybe we'll have a space to discuss some of the silly mistakes. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. People are always looking for ways to learn things like kind mm -hmm. of on the backs of others, not of like in a yeah. bad way, but you know what I mean? Like to, to uh, have things not happen. So yeah, that'd be a great. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But yes, to your point, literally, um, I spent a great deal of time doing um the hospitals in addition to in addition to the private practice but the beautiful thing about that jenna i'm going to be very honest for someone that came so close out of grad school when all that information is fresh when you've had some of the best placements in boston i'm going to add mm -hmm. so <laughs> when you come with that level of training um, I can feel it now on some things that I did not choose to focus on, say stuttering. I, I, do, I don't work with stuttering, mm -hmm. but a lot of that material that's so freshly ingrained in grad school, if you it, it, use it or lose it. Yeah. And I think that that was a wonderful advantage that I didn't know at the time, mm -hmm. but it allowed me to, I am a very, I'm a unicorn speech therapist. Let me put it that way a unicorn speech pathologist where I have two, two split specialties where I can work with adults with um, neurocognitive rehab. For, uh, I can work with adults to provide neurocognitive rehab as well as swallowing rehab. Mm -hmm. I can work with p um, children with mm -hmm. autism spectrum. I have a specialty within autism spectrum, lang language-based disorders, communication disorders, AAC, you, I mean, it's, it's amazing just how just doing those two at the same time simultaneously mm -hmm. has allowed me to develop two strengths and two very split, two very split <laughs> just ends of, of the yeah. realm. But you, yeah. you like both of them. I, I can tell yes. from your energy, right? And, That's correct. And when you like something so much, right, and you get all kinds of experience and continue ed and all that kind of other stuff, you can do two different things, right? Yes. And I never wanted to have to be a therapist that had to choose or that had to be 
um, squeezed into a box. Like I'm only a pediatric therapist. I'm only an adult therapist. But what I am happy about is that I finally chosen a niche and it's to have just those two split adult, um, adult neuro, adult swallowing and pediatric autism spectrum and ADHD. I love it. And that's the beauty of private practice, right? Is that you can make that choice for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because when you were at the SNF, I'm sure you didn't, or the LTEC, you don't, you don't have autism there. No, you have trachs and vents, which is what I love, which is what I love. Right. Like I said, I keep curious. See, but you love all kinds of things. I think that's super <laughs> cool. So, so you started, and the other thing I, I, I don't remember exactly what you said, but that you, oh, I remember now, that um, the transition was a little, was tricky because you would work in the day and at night you would come home and be an administrator, but you had the energy for that. Yes. And I think that that's a really important thing to highlight is that when you're excited about something, when you're excited about starting a business, when you're excited about, I don't know, anything in our lives, there is a new kind of energy that can develop. And if it doesn't, then that may not be the right thing, right? Yeah. But for you, it did develop and it fueled this fire in you to, you know, um, re meet some new goals and have a new project under your belt to go for. Mm -hmm. And so, so tell us what happened next, right? You're, you're starting this business, you're getting credentialed with all these insurance companies. You've decided you've got these two areas you want to do. What happened next? What happened next, Jenna? I did a needs assessment. And mm -hmm. interestingly, when I say needs assessment, I just sat down and I thought about how, what can I do beyond patient care? What am I? What is my product? What products can I offer? Um, and what I ended that just that question alone shaped whom I began to target. Um, the marketing came next for the most part. The marketing, but then the strategy came next. And um, at this time, it was just a home-based company. Um, we were seeing patients um, in their homes or in their schools at this time. So that's, this is the part when I began to pursue, when, when I began to go and speak with um, school administrators, when I began to um, speak with different agencies, different social agencies that were able to now provide me a little bit of clientele. Um, and then what came next was, okay, what are more sources? What are more sources that I can tap into? And then I learned that there's a whole sector of a government. Mm -hmm. And so um, my, my company is HUB certified. Um, mm -hmm. And that stands for historically underutilized businesses. Um, almost in the same capacity as women-owned businesses. So it's a, um, it's a credential that will allow for if there's ever a bidding opportunity, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost as if government is asking um, agencies, please do not exclude these groups of businesses that would otherwise be at a disadvantage to a, com a, a larger competing company. Wow, that's great. Uh -huh. And um, literally, I, I feel like just what that exposed me to made me realize that there's so much opportunities out mm -hmm. there for not just a speech pathologist or a business owner, but anybody. Yeah. I mean, just to see some of the listings that were being requested from the state, you know, or from the city, just, you know, vendors of toilet tissue paper. <laughs> anybody can own a business and yeah. there's so much opportunity yeah. and and you i started attending like little small business classes throughout the city they offer some for free through the um small business development council mm -hmm. you might be familiar with that um i I've usually i believe that they have one in almost every state or um city yeah um and i was able to attend some of those programs um and then i learned about capability statements. Um, I learned the unique, just the unique um, glory of being a subcontractor. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's a lot of opportunity 
in just being a, a subcontractor of services. Um, but I think that's where a lot of my exposure to the government came. I began doing a lot of um, consulting with government agencies, um, which have really kept my empty slots filled. Yeah. Which, which has been really helpful. And um, from that from that point, I now moved to, um, I attended um, a program. I was very fortunate to, it's Inner City Capital Connections. Um, this is a program that I believe you will have to apply to. Um, I believe most business owners will have to apply to or be nominated for, or, or um, there's more information about it online, but they come to a lot of major cities. And what you get is a days long executive business education. Nice. And it's, they walk you through the marketing. I think what I appreciated most, the subject matter that I appreciated the most was their, um, the lecture on entrepreneurial finance. Mm -hmm. That lecture was done by Steve Rogers of Harvard Business School. And I mean, he's incredible. It, I felt, I never felt more empowered, you know, like it was one of those moments where I can do this, you yeah. know, I can do this. And then the connections that I made just within, within my cohort, because once you're done with the program, you become an alumni of the program. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I think I was just really pleased because my cohort, um, till today, I'm still working with contracting with some of the individuals that were there psychologists you, would, you wouldn't believe some, some you know <laughs> so this is a theme because uh -huh. if you remember uh the lsvt training that's how you got the job at the sniff essentially right that's right uh -huh. connections right so now you do this this small business workshop opportunity and now you're now you have psychologists that you're doing some contracting with or through or connections to that's incredible that's right and then um and then i just realized that i really enjoy collaborating with other companies at this point at at this time that this happened that this was happening i enjoyed what i was doing you know like um and i felt that it was very successful you know how you do one thing it's successful you do it over and over and over yeah. so so i began to do the same thing but just thinking of what other disciplines? What are some other disciplines? Who else has a need? <laughs> Who has a need out there? A lot of people have needs. There's enough needs to go around in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. And sure enough, um, I began working with psychologists. I began working with um, workers' compensation. That was a very interesting one because moving away from private, pra I'm sorry, moving away from hospital, Mm -hmm. I, I was sad to divorce my tricks, my tricks mm -hmm. and vents population. Yeah. That was a, a significant specialty of mine. And I was sad un, and I was under the impression actually that I will not have those patients in the office, but workers' compensation has actually been able to keep my doors filled with that subset of patients. Nice. And and I love it because it's it's definitely something I never would have thought was possible in the office, but it actually is possible. That's, very much so. So you're also an example of someone who's using any and every opportunity available to you. I would say that. It, it, as long as I can think of it, I'm going to try to do it. I love it. Yeah. So, so what is your practice like now? Like if I was to you know, to walk in or to go to a, a business meeting with you in Dallas. Mm -hmm. tell, tell the audience about what, what your practice is like today. So the practice today, you can come to us in Plano. And we, we have an office now in Plano, which is great. And it's an inter interdisciplinary clinic that's also filled with um, psychologists, social workers, and licensed counselors as well. So I think it's a good mix of disciplines. Mm -hmm. We also offer occupational therapy services, which is really, which is a, a, a brand new line of service that we just brought in this year. And the, our, my patients will have the option to be seen in the office or be seen at home. Mm -hmm. So now you come in and you'll be able to meet our wonderful five employees, which is great. 
Congratulations. <laughs> Which, well, actually, actually, let me say six because we we had we now have um, occupational therapy on 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 board, and the beautiful part about it is just based on availability, you'll be able to see in the home. You'll be able to be um, seen in your home or in the office, and um, we're traveling far. You know, my therapists, they many of them cover so many areas um, as as far as Grand Prairie to Rowlett to Rockwall. So the therapists, they travel where we are on wheels. We are heroes on wheels. So, <laughs> and so I, 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 I like providing my family's choices. Yeah. Um, I, I, what I'm selling, what I am selling is convenience. Mm-hmm. For the most part. What I'm selling is access. What I'm selling is convenience. Yeah. Well, what those I'm, are really important to people. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, especially nowadays, everyone is busy. You know, Texas is big. Yes. <laughs> right? Very we, big. Very big. So, <laughs> yeah. So selling convenience is, I mean, and that's, think about some of the most successful companies these days. That's what they sell. Netflix, mm-hmm. right? The convenience of. DoorDash. Yeah. DoorDash. Uh, yeah. Uber and Uber Eats, right? Yes. All of those companies are selling convenience. So that's a wonderful angle to think about for your private practice in terms of marketing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So you have your five employees. Congratulations. Thank you. And a wonderful multidisciplinary clinic and all of these connections around Dallas. What do you think is next for not only your practice, but also for you? You know, for myself, I have found my inner businesswoman through speech pathology, and I'm forever grateful for that. Um, because like I said in the beginning, business is never something that I imagined for myself or that I thought was, was I, something that I was going to be successful at. And I'm happy that till today, four years in, I am doing great. <laughs> I am doing great. I, I don't regret the choice because it's been a very maturing experience mm-hmm. um, to come straight out of grad school and to really just grow yourself professionally and to grow yourself um, in the, within the business sector. Um, business is totally different from anything I would have learned in grad school. You don't learn business in grad school. Um, what is next for me would be to continue along this trajectory, continuing along a leadership and administration trajectory. I, I do hope to be more involved in healthcare economics and in advocacy um, because the reimbursement landscape, I hope to change. Mm-hmm. I, hope to, I hope to be a part of that change. Yeah. And I, I, I always share the story with people where I still feel like speech pathology is in its infancy. Mm-hmm. Just based on the research, based on where we started, speech path is in its infancy. And if speech pathology, the field itself, were a toddler, mm-hmm. private practice, we would be, we're still in our gestational age. Yeah, There's yeah. so much of us now that I feel like we can have more of an input mm-hmm. in to an in, in input on what our constraints are what is working for us, what our needs really are, so that way we can change the landscape of, of how we're treated from a reimbursement standpoint. Yeah, and I think, I think, I thank you for bringing that up, because I've, I have felt like private practice is a movement. Yes. And, and within our field, you know, um, a lot of us get into speech pathology because we're helping people, people, and we love communication, and we want to help people communicate, you know, and swallow and all those other things. But sometimes when you get into it, there's different confines on, on what you can do in a school or in hospitals or early intervention, all this kind of thing. So by starting a private practice, you are really taking control of your ability to practice in the way that you want to, and also in the money that you're able to make. Absolutely. I mean, to, to not have a cap on your income is incredibly freeing, right? And that drives a lot of people to be thinking about, okay, well, what else, you know, can I do to, and not, not just to be driven by money, but what can you do to help your community? And what can you do to, to bring more services to not only your local area, 
but it sounds like you're going like, you know, a step or two out from your local yes. area and helping them too, right? That's right. That's right. My goal is to, um, to realize my business name to its fruition. Yeah. And then, okay, so, so you've got your local area and then you have like the outskirts of your local area. But then if you're really thinking about trying to change economic policy. Yes. Right? So you're just <laughs> going for like way bigger even than where you started. And I also love that you said that you became a business person through the field of speech pathology. I think that's a really fantastic way to look at it. That's right. I said something wrong. My goal is to realize my business name to its fullest. I love it. That's love what it. I meant to say. That's all right. That's great. <laughs> I said fruition. But yeah, I your fullest. Yes, to the fullest. Um, there's a reason why it has its name, and I know we'll get there. And remind um, the listeners what the name is again. Champion Rehabilitation and Support Services. Yeah. Located in Dallas, Texas. I love it. So, okay, so you have these big plans, not only for your practice, but for yourself. And, and for the field. And for the field. And for, you mentioned earlier a couple, like, either mistakes or things that you had done yes. that didn't, you know, maybe put you back a step or got you stuck for a little while. Would you mind sharing one or two of those things before we wrap up, kind of, a, a, like, some sure. lessons that you learned along the way? Sure. Um, some lessons that I learned were to um, use Quicken or use, if you're going to do it yourself, the bookkeeping yourself, um, just start with Quicken or start with QuickBooks, any, any, any similar software, because I somehow, some way, I always think I'm superwoman to some degree. I started using Excel. I didn't realize how, how large I was going to grow, but I, at the very last moment, I think almost till tax season, this was years back. I realized this is not good. <laughs> and then I, I, I got the advice of a tax advisor who put me all the way together and even decided to do some training with me for Quicken. Um, so I would just never advise anyone to try and manage their expenses using Excel, get the software Quicken or whatever have you. Yeah. Um, another, another advice that I would give is billing. Yeah. Um, in regards to this, this is in regards to billing. And um, I would suggest I've made my own fair share of mistakes by not being fully informed in the beginning. And um, it's helpful when you have professionals that are, um, whether it be someone you're on the phone with that may just know a little bit more or just an actual billing expert that may be able to guide you and help develop and help you develop an understanding for um, billing re and reimbursement guidelines, um, laws, and just procedures in general. So I would just recommend um, as our clinician, as our colleagues are becoming more and more passionate and interested in private practice to really, really develop a good understanding for billing and reimbursement because it's just innocent therapists can end up getting into irreversible amounts of trouble mm -hmm. if problems or misinformation arise arises um so i just wouldn't suggest being ignorant of the law i don't think that a judge would ever excuse that i'm so happy that i've never and um, had to wound up in a legal system and that some of my mistakes were correctable um but i would just i would just really emphasize this part for someone that wants to start to please ask questions in this part yeah. because when you're going into business you are accountable yeah. you can't delegate um, accountability but you can delegate responsibilities <laughs> and just i would hate for any any of us to wound up in a big set of trouble just based off of billing yeah business. well and asking questions i think is really important right oh, yeah you know, if you, you call the insurance yeah. company, you ask them questions and they help you figure out what to put in something or what kind of code exactly. to use or whatever, right? It's much better to ask those questions in advance yes. than to do something wrong, maybe over a period of time. And then that's, you know, not so bad. And then you got to go back. Exactly. Absolutely. It's, mm -hmm. it's, um, ask those questions in the beginning and then also, um, networking. I would always suggest networking with other therapists. Um, that has been one of my prime referral sources. Um, I don't believe in showcasing a wait list as if, as if it's a trophy. I, I, I'm not, I don't, 
I don't personally do that. Um, but I always suggest to refer if you can, because that is your future currency for your company. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I'm sending someone a client and I just so happen to know about your company, you don't know that I know about your company, but I'm sending this client to you. I may call you and say, Hey, I might introduce myself and say, I'm sending a client to you. And I, I know that I, I'm, I'm aware of you. I know that you're a feeding therapist. My name is Stephanie, blah, blah, blah. And it may even lead to me just visiting. So it's okay to be open to therapists wanting to visit your practice. I, I think it's, it should be okay because you never know how you can work together. Y'all might find out that you want to subcontract with one another. Yeah. That could be your currency for your company in the future. You know, you just never know. So I would just, I just want to shut the door on those possibilities. Well, of course. And that, that's having an abundance mindset Yes. versus a scarcity mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You said that earlier too, right? There's more than enough clients to go around, especially in a major metropolitan area like Dallas, right? Yes. But when that's you, right. Right. But you, you use the word or the term social currency, which I think is good, right? So whether it's social current or, you know, or karma or abundance or whatever, right? Developing those relationships that will pay off versus trying to figure out how to keep all the people on your wait list. And that's not doing a service to the clients, right? This is not only showing that this is really showing too, that you care about the clients. Yes. Right. More than your pocketbook. That's right. And then I would also suggest um, not every customer is a good customer. Mm-hmm. That might be especially hard for someone just starting out. But it's just if, if, if we can all just bear in mind, not every customer is worth is I'm not going to say it's worth having, but not every customer is for you. It may it just might not be a good fit. You somebody may be better able to service that patient and we just, not every customer is a good customer, just some food for thought. And then I would also suggest, um, and this, I would also suggest thinking beyond school contracts. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be real and say it's 2019. (laughs) We have evolved. We have done so much evolving. Think beyond school contracts. School is not the end all be all. You know, there are so many needs out there. You just yeah. got to think of what are you selling? What do you, what is your product? What are you selling? Who can, you know, who can, who would you like to serve? Yeah. Who find out who would you like to serve and serve them well? Exactly. Because somebody or some business is out there waiting for you to happen to them for mm-hmm. the most part. Yeah. I think that is a perfect place to wrap up, right? You have really been, first of all, I just love your engaging, fun, bubbly personality. (laughs) Thank Um, you. But I really, you're quite an inspiration in terms of, you know, never thinking that you would do anything businessy like your dad and your brother. Yes. But, but allowing yourself, you're just, you're, you're someone who both seeks opportunities and lets opportunities find you too and then decide what to do from that I would hope so (laughs) I would hope so I mean I just I you know I I I want consistency is all I want you know I want consistency um but I've been very fortunate to just be doing this at the right time at the right place with the right attitude I've been really fortunate Well, and we have all been fortunate to hear your story and I can't thank you enough, Stephanie, for being on the podcast and opening up and sharing, you know, ups and downs and your strategy and everything else in between. So thank you so much for sharing this with our listeners. Absolutely. Thank you to your listeners as well for having me. Absolutely. All right. Well, have a good night. Thank you, Jenna. Have a good night. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, so how amazing is Stephanie O'Silas? I am so in awe of just how open she is to signs from the universe and how she takes the universe up on those signs, right? So from that experience when she was doing her LSVT training and found a future employer to many other times that she mentioned that just opportunities came her way 
and she also sought out opportunities that she knew were going to be good for her. So I was impressed by that, and I think that that's really important for us as private practitioners, as speech-language pathologists, to be open to opportunities that come our way. So I do want to present an opportunity to you right now. This is an opportunity for growth level private practitioners to try out my coaching program, the Grow Your Private Practice Coaching Program, for $1 for one week. So this program is meant to help, again, growth level private practitioners with practice management, finances, marketing, insurance, hiring, and also firing. And um, it's a wonderful supportive network of um, private practitioners who are really collaborative and supportive of each other. Um, Stephanie's a member. We're happy to have her um, in the program. And so if you would like to, to join us, come to uh, growyourprivatepractice.com and you can sign up for a one-week trial. It's a dollar and all the information can be found on growyourprivatepractice.com. All right, hope to have you in the members area. Take care, have a good week. Now that you've listened to the episode, I wanna invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned and I wanna help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms and your own time, and yes, make more money. I wanna invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I wanna teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part? These trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com. Click start or grow, and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at Independent Clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.